well regulated militia be necessary to the security of a free state? The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am glad that you've joined us on the program today. Coming up in uh, just a matter of moments, we're going to talk with Josh Savani. He is the uh, Director of Research and Information at NRA's Institute for Legislative Action. Uh, and he has been the sort of running point on the uh, NRA's efforts to undo the uh, decision by the ATF to uh, declare the uh, Honey Badger AR-15 pistol to be a short-barreled rifle as opposed to a pistol with a stabilizing brace attached to this. We talked uh, just a few days ago with Alex Bosco, uh, who is the uh, founder of SP Tactical uh, and, and designed the, uh, the brace that's used on the Honey Badger. And uh, he said, you know, uh, that uh, NRA has been really out in front trying to uh, uh, undo this decision. So I thought it'd be good to talk with Josh Savani. Now, I will say uh, that there has been an update since we uh, first talked with Alex Bosco about this. A couple days ago, uh, it turns out the ATF sent another letter to uh, QLLC, the maker of the Honey Badger pistol, suspending the cease and desist letter, I know, for a period of 60 days. So not a permanent suspension. Uh, but basically saying, hey, you know how we told you uh, to stop selling those? Okay, well, hold off on that. DOJ is is now uh, reviewing this case and reviewing our determination. Uh, so we're once again, uh, you know, it's 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 a it's a good step, uh, but it is not the end all be all, and uh, the problems that uh, inherently related. Uh, to the honey badger issue have certainly not been resolved. So that's uh, sort of our starting point as we sit down and uh, have this conversation with Josh Savani, the Director of Research and Information at NRA's Institute for Legislative Action. Take a look and a listen. Hey, Josh, thanks so much for coming on the show today, sir. It's good talking with you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks uh, Thanks for having me on. Uh, you bet. Uh, you know, we've been talking about what's going on with uh, a QLLC, the honey badger pistol, and really the the open question now about uh, uh, braces when it comes to uh, uh, pistols and the ATF sort of arbitrarily uh, redefining the honey badger anyway as a, a short-barreled rifle. When we talked with Alex Bosco of uh, SP Tactical not long ago, um, he was you know very vocal in talking about the uh, the efforts on the part of the NRA to 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 you know try to get the ATF to reverse this decision. Uh, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to reach out to you. So if you don't mind, Josh, I mean, what can you tell us about the efforts that the NRA is engaged in right now uh, dealing with the honey badger issue that's come up? Sure. Um, I'm sure as, as uh, Alex probably made clear, you know, we've been, we've been working with FB Taxel. I mean, I, I think I first met Alex, you know, at a NRA annual meeting, you know, maybe like six or seven years ago. Um, so, you know, we've been working on the brace issue for a long time. Um, Certainly, as uh, you know, with respect to the, to the honey badger, um, and you know the issue with specifically with the you know the pistol model of the honey badger um, that uses a pistol stabilizing brace, um, you know we've been trying to get uh, you know an answer uh, exactly you know why this is different. You know, the, the, there's nothing that seems objectively different about this type of pistol stabilizing brace versus a bunch of other ones that are affirmatively approved. Mm -hmm. um, and there's nothing uh, that, that really should make it be treated differently. Um, so that was our concern. I mean, if you look at, our, you know, our, the, the, some of the statements we've put out, that's why um, while, while ATF claims that this has to do particularly with this model, it, it raises a lot of concerns about, 
you know, ATF being able to, as you put it, arbitrarily, which is, uh, unfortunately, I think for ATF, that's the legal standard that they have to operate under. They can't act in an arbitrary manner. Um, and, you know, if you were to, to create a, a hypothetical for, for an administrative law class in law school, you, this would be an excellent example of what not to do as a government agency is to, you know, this, I'll know when I see it is basically, you know, that's what we said, uh, you know, this famous, uh, Justice Potter Stewart line of, you know, they, they just make a case by case determination and they even admitted that, you know, in, in a, in a, a comment, I think that they, that the ATF gave to the Washington Free Beacon, um, they basically said, Hey, we're, uh, you know, we just make these on a, on a, on a one-off basis, uh, which is exactly the opposite of how, you know, these agencies are supposed to operate. Um, Absolutely. But I, don't, I didn't really totally answer your question yet as far as, as what we're doing. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to activate all gunners, obviously, to contact the, the DOJ. We have a, a contact form up. Um, but, and then we're working, you know, with them to make sure that they understand the actual, you know, the impact that this, this has on, on firearm owners, um, uh, and on, on members of the industry like Alex or like you. Um, it, it makes it impossible for them really to, you know, and really impossible for gun owners to operate without some type of, of clear standard. Absolutely. Um, and, 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 you know, and to that end, I mean, it's, you know, going back to that, uh, the, the phrase that you used, we'll, we'll know it when we see it. I mean, that really is the standard, it sounds, if that, if you want to call that a standard, uh, that the ATF is using. And as you say, that makes it virtually impossible for fire manufacturers to, to know going into the design of their product, whether or not, uh, you know, they can think that they're following the ATF guidelines, uh, but they don't know for sure. And again, you know, in the case of those, uh, not only the, the manufacturer, the honey badger, but the owner, uh, the owners of these pistols, uh, you know, they're now basically being told, Hey, listen, you, you, you may run afoul of the national fires act. You could be looking at 10 years in prison. Uh, if you don't register right. this uh, a firearm under the auspices of the NFA, even though the ATF has previously said that, uh, you know, these uh, uh, pistol braces should not be uh, viewed as, uh, you know, devices that would turn a pistol into a short barreled rifle, uh, you know, if there is uh, the potential uh, for that brace to be used to shoulder fire. Uh, that firearm, which is, as you say, I mean, that, and that's basically the standard now that they, the ATF has gone back on and, and now they're saying when it comes to the honey badger, well, people could use this. Uh, and they say that uh, they, they believe, although they haven't given any evidence, they believe that this was sort of intended to be a, a shoulder fired. Uh, but there's no evidence of that that I've been able to tell. That's certainly not the uh, contention uh, of the uh, manufacturer of the honey badger pistol. Uh, and, and so it seems like, you know, we're, we're kind of dealing with two things. It seems, Josh, on the one hand, the, the firearms manufacturers themselves, they want clear regulations and clear policies that they can follow as opposed to ATF seemingly making it up as they go along. Uh, but then they also want those policies to actually make sense. Right. And I think that that's, that, that's exactly it. Um, uh, and I think if you look at the history, uh, it, you know, it can be a little bit enlightening about, uh, the, I guess, kind of how much ATF has really dropped the ball on this one because, yeah, it's been eight years. You know, they first approved, uh, uh, they first said that a pistol stabilizing brace, um, is not designed, redesigned, made, or remade and intended to be fired from the shoulder. That's the actual statutory standard. They, they're stuck. They can't, they can't avoid that. That's what the, the law says. Um, and, you know, they admitted in 2012 that just by 
uh, you know, attaching a pistol stabilizing brace to uh, some type of large frame pistol, most obviously some type of air, or most commonly some type of uh, air 15 pattern large frame pistol, that it does not redesign it when it does not, uh, it's not intended to be fired from the shoulder. And so that's the, you know, that kind of sets the, the framework that, that all manufacturers and, and gun owners were, you know, going to operate in. Obviously, they've gone back and forth on, on quite a few details as far as what, what can be done with, with braces, you know, as far as, you know, at one point they took the, the very ridiculous position, I would say, that touching the, the, you know, an otherwise legal product to your shoulder either redesigns or remakes it. Um, that's a, that's an interesting use of the English language. I don't think anyone has ever thought that you could redesign a product by, you know, using it in a particular manner. Um, obviously if a, you know, if an end user makes substantial modifications to a product, maybe that's redesigning or remaking it, but certainly not using it. Um, and, and I think ATF has, you know, knew that entire time that that was a bit of a ridiculous, uh, idea that you could, you know, redesign or remake it. Um, and so in 2017, they, they essentially admitted that was wrong. Um, they claimed that they clarified because they didn't want to admit that they were wrong, but, um, I think that, that they knew that that was wrong. That a product is not redesigned or remade by touching it to your shoulder. Um, and in that time, you know, they've affirmatively approved a lot of, a lot of different products. They've said that, you know, that particular product, uh, is not a, you know, that is a stabilizing brace and it's not a stock. Um, in December 2018, they stopped doing that. They said that you have to submit entire firearms, which made it even harder, especially for companies like, I think like SP Tactical, where they, you know, they don't make firearms, they make pistol stabilizing braces. Mm-hmm. Um, and other firearm accessories, so it, it's hard for them to know. Um, and and it, it's just an absurd standard because, you know, the AR-15 market is very, uh, you know, and the AR-15 pistol market in, as well are, are very large, and there are lots of different products. And to try to say that, oh, you have to submit this in every possible configuration for us to affirmatively approve is absurd. And again, it's that I'll, I'll know when I see an approach. Um, and it really just seems like an intentional Intentionally make it more difficult for, for, you know, gun owners and for the firearms industry to, to operate. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, that's how we got now where we are is that they, they've had eight years. They haven't come out with any clear public standard, which is the easy solution to this. You know, if ATF, ATF can publish a, you know, a, a rule or, you know, that lays out what the, the, the public, you know, publicly lays out with an opportunity for public comment what the standards are. And that's really what the that's what federal law requires. The Administrative Procedures Act, you know, you, you can't make things illegal without telling people that they're illegal. That's the whole idea behind American law, is that there, there can't be secret illegal activity that a person can engage in that they don't even know. You know, that's, that's like one of the most un-American concepts, you, you know, that you can imagine. Absolutely. Is that, oh, yeah, we're going to charge you with something that you didn't even know was illegal. Um, and so... You know, the administrative agency is the one in the position to, to create the rule. So to the extent that the ATF tries to, you know, I guess blame manufacturers for, for not submitting every product, product, that's not, that's not the manufacturer's job. It's the agency's job to, to make the law clear. Absolutely. Um, so, so what has the response been, uh, in, in terms of, I know that you've been trying to get gun owners to, uh, to contact ATF, uh, in the Department of Justice. What type of response have you seen so far? Yeah, I think that the, as expected, the response is, is very large. 
you know, um, you know, talking with different manufacturers of, of various types of, of stabilizing braces, you know, there are quite a few, you know, several million um, gun owners who own these, and and they're very common. You know, they they are a you know they're definitely out there, and you know, it's interesting when you're when you're talking to like you know congressional staff, and they're, they're like, oh yeah, I have I have one of those. So you know, it's, it's, that that can be helpful though to to for them to. Uh, be able to, to pass that info along to their boss so, so that their boss really doesn't understand, you know, how common these types of, of firearms are and that ATF, you know, it, it's causing a lot of problems and it's potentially putting, as you said earlier, it's, it's a very serious crime. Um, and it's, it's very, I find it very frustrating. If you look at the cease and desist letter, especially that was sent to Q, you know, ATF, I think it's very important to remind people about every second or third paragraph that, you know, there are serious criminal penalties that the result of the consequence. They, they'd like to threaten people, you know, and that's very, I, I don't think that's what our government is supposed to do. Yeah. I think that they should have to provide clear rules that people can follow. And, you know, and then, and, and those rules should make sense. You know, the, if no person who's ever set out to design a stock has made it look like any of the existing, you know, stabilizing braces. So, you know, if you want to make a stock, you don't put a big hole in it and make it out of a soft material. You know, you don't put a sling point facing rearwards on on the on it. If you, you know, it's not extremely thin, so it's basically, you know, very difficult to use it to, to shoulder a firearm. That, that's not how people design stocks. We know what stocks look like. We have hundreds of years of evidence of what a stock looks like. And pistol stabilizing braces are not those objectively, and the the ATF knows that. That's why in 2012 they said that you know simply attaching it to a, a pistol didn't redesign or remake it into a into a rifle, and if the barrel's thrown enough into a short barrel rifle. Yeah, you mentioned uh, just a couple minutes ago um, uh, talking with uh, congressional staffers. Um, is the White House aware of this as well? I mean, is this something uh, that that you've been talking or have been able to talk with? Uh, anybody within the Trump administration about? Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked to everybody that will listen right now, um, you know, and, uh, you know, I think that the fact that the, the president's own son definitely owns a, at least one pistol stabilizing brace. Um, I think he's, he's posted pictures of them on, you know, shooting the, you know, pistols with stabilizing braces on his own Instagram. So, uh, you know, it's, a, it, it's clearly a very widely used product. Um, I think that the, you know, I think that... At, there's now a much better understanding of how widespread, uh, you know, this product, these types of products are and how popular they are. Um, and it, it, it's very important that ATF, you know, I, I would say that it's very important that ATF always act within the law, but certainly when there's a lot of people affected, it, it makes it, you know, a little bit clearer that they need to, to act in the law because people can make their voices heard to their, you know, to their elected representatives and, and, you know, get this administrative agency corrected. Are, are you um, at this point? Would you describe yourself as as hopeful that uh, that this will get resolved uh, quickly? Uh, confident? Doubtful? I mean, yeah, where, I, where are we I, right I, now? I don't know. Josh? I, it's hard to you know, government action is always hard to uh, to take guesses at. So I don't know that I would. Uh, I, I would say maybe cautiously optimistic. You know, but uh, and I think that if you look at the, you know, obviously they did suspend the cease and desist, and in that suspension, uh, you know, you put that put that out, uh, I think yesterday or the day before. Um, 
and ATF reached out to them and said that the season is suspended. I don't think that's enough. I mean, we, we made clear that we don't think that that's enough. But it's certainly a step in the right direction. And in that letter, they, you know, they mentioned that DOJ is reviewing, uh, kind of the entire matter of how, you know, the, the actual classifications of these devices. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's a, that's a reason to be optimistic is that the DOJ has involved itself in, you know, in a way to kind of rein in ATF on, on this matter. Yeah. And the suspension of the, the season assist letter, I mean, you're right. That, that's a, that is an important step forward, particularly, you know, uh, for, for QLLC and those who own the Honey Badger pistol. On the other hand, you know, you could also point to that reversal and say, look, this is again part of the problem with the ATF when they're making it up as they go along. Uh, that's when you, you know, that's when they find themselves in these situations where they're all of a sudden now having to backtrack and say, well, never mind about that uh, cease and desist letter for now. Uh, but the prospect of that being reinstated is still sort of hanging over the head of every honey badger owner and, uh, and, and you know, the folks at QLLC as well. So as you say, this is a step in the right direction, but it is still indicative of the problem that exists right now within the agency. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I think that's the exact point that, that you know, a lot of people took from that, the, you know, the, the suspension letter is that, well, it, yeah, it makes the point that, well, you can obviously easily reverse yourself because you have no standards and, and you, they, even they don't know really what, you know, a particular product, as you, you know, as you said earlier, the, the, the standard is, I'll know it when I see it. And so there's no way that they, they can say for, you know, under any type of objective reasoning why a particular product is, is, you know, designed it or re, or made to be fired from the shoulder. Right, one last question um, for you, Josh. And I don't know if this is, um, yeah. this, this may be a little outside of your wheelhouse, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Okay. How much worse do you think this would be under a Biden Harris administration? Yeah, I mean, well, one, you know, the 2017 letter that, you know, got rid of the, the ATF's absurd, you know, idea that you can't even touch a, you know, an otherwise legal product to your shoulder and that somehow redesigns or, or remakes it. Um, I think that happened because, uh, you know, they, they understood that they were in a, a a different world with an administration that actually has respect to the Second Amendment. We wouldn't even, we wouldn't be in that position if we had had a, a certainly a Hillary Clinton administration. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's, you know, there's substantial reason to believe. I mean, if you go on the, the Biden-Harris website, you know, the, in some ways this would be the, the least of our worries uh, <laughs> as far as, they, I mean, they want to ban the, the, the firearms that the, they want to ban and confiscate the firearms that the pistol braces would attach to. So, I guess the, you know, the pistol races themselves become, uh, it's a little bit of a superfluous question at that point. But obviously, yeah, I I don't think that we would be getting any type of of positive movement out of, out of a, you know, a different administration that didn't have respect for the Second Amendment rights of Americans. Yeah. And as you say, you're right. I mean, uh, you know, under, under the Biden Harris plan, uh, the AR-15 pistols, AR-15 rifles, uh, you know, every other uh, firearm that they would define as a, a so-called assault weapon, uh, you'd either have to turn them in in exchange for the, you know, the empty promise of uh, pennies on the dollar, or, uh, again, you'd have to uh, register your firearms in your magazines under the uh, National Firearms Act. And if you didn't, then again, you'd be looking at 10 years in a federal prison, $250,000 fine. I mean, that's what Joe Biden and, and Kamala Harris want to do with you know, tens of millions of, of commonly owned farms across this country. So you're right. It is maybe a, a superfluous point to think about the the actual, you know, uh, a pistol stabilizing brace. But 
Um, I, I just I, I, I fear that that is, you know, look, we know that Joe Biden's going to use legislation. We know that they're going to try to uh, uh, use the, the regulatory authority as well to uh, to go after gun owners in the firearms industry. And, and I have uh, I have a lot of concerns with, you know, as, as many problems as we're seeing right now with the ATF, that this would just become exponentially worse uh, if Joe Biden and Kamala Harris win in November. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and as far as using the regulatory process, I mean, I don't think anyone was as aggressive as Senator Harris was, which she was still running for president in the primary, mm-hmm. as far as what she would do to use, you know, executive action to, you know, try to attack Second Amendment rights. So she, I don't, I don't think that there's any reason to believe that they would, you know, I think she, you know, she did the normal, like, I would give Congress 100 days to act, and then I would do it myself. But, I mean, that's not how the law works. But, you know, it's, I, it's not saying that she won't try. And that, you know, if they if they also carry through on their, their threat to, you know, well, they, now they won't threaten to do it. But, you know, they, I think everybody knows that their, their non-answer on, on attacking the Supreme Court is really about um, making sure that they have a backstop for any type of unlawful actions that they take against Americans. Absolutely. Because I, a threat to pack the Supreme Court is a threat to destroy the Second Amendment. Um, I think that that's very important for people to understand. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, that's critically important for people to understand. And it won't just be the ATF making it up as they go along uh, under a Biden-Harris administration. You would see, uh, you know, the entirety of the executive branch. And, and if you say, uh, you know, if they pack the court, uh, then you see the judicial branch doing the same. Listen, Josh, I really appreciate you coming on the program, yeah. sir. And uh, if there are any updates, please let us know. We would uh, love to get the word out to our audience as well and hope we get a chance to do this again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. And uh, I, I do. I hope we have good news. Like I said, I'm cautiously optimistic. So hopefully we can get this get this sorted out in the right. future. Hey, but fingers crossed. Again. But in the meantime, uh, is it still yeah. is it too late? Are, are you still encouraging gun owners to to reach out to DOJ? Do you still have that portal set up at NRAILA.org? Absolutely. Um, if you if you go on our site, it's it's one of the top. Uh, if you just go to NRAILA.org, um, it's one of the top things, especially if you just search, you know, NRAILA Honey Badger, it'll take you right there. There's just a button that you click to take action. All you have to do is just fill in your name, uh, you know, and I, I think it's your address and your zip code. And then you just hit submit and it submits a, you know, a pre-written response. You're free to write and add your own response. But, um, you know, it, it, we try to make it as easy as possible for people to take action. They can, if, if they want to write their own, uh, response, they're certainly welcome to do it. Um, but yeah, I, I highly recommend that people do that. DOJ needs to know that, that people are still very concerned and, and this needs to be fixed. Absolutely. Let's make our voices heard. Josh Savani join us from NRA ILA research director, research and information director. Uh, Josh, thanks again for your time, sir. Look forward to talking to you again soon. I appreciate uh, Josh joining us on the program. A lot of good information there and we will uh, continue to uh, follow what's going on with uh, the honey badger specifically and with uh, pistol stabilizing braces. Uh, in general at the ATF. But, uh, you know, again, I, I, I don't think this point can be reiterated enough that uh, as problematic as we might still uh, find some of these ATF decisions, it's going to be exponentially worse uh, under a Joe Biden, Kamala Harris administration. All right, let's turn our attention now to our uh, good deed of the day, our armed citizen story, our recidivist report. We'll start there. I actually wrote about this at Bearing Arms earlier today because I was just so ticked off. I didn't just want to save this for the show. Uh, this this case is unbelievable. Why are Chicago prosecutors undercharging accused violent criminals? So, Kim Fox, who is the Cook County State's Attorney, the, the, the prosecutor for Chicago, already under a lot of criticism for the large number of felony cases that are simply being dropped 
by her office. About 30%, 29.9% of all felony cases have been dropped entirely by the Cook County Prosecutor's Office since Kim Cook has been in charge. That is far higher than her predecessor, which was about 19.4% of all felony cases dropped. Kim Fox has now added to this. But there's another issue here. There's the issue of undercharging criminal defendants. Website uh, CWB Chicago uh, reported on the case of 33-year-old Marshall Duvall. He is a four-time convicted felon. He is now accused of taking part in a string of recent robberies in the city. Uh, Let's see, one of them, October the 2nd, 8.55 in the morning. An offender wielded a baseball bat as he tried to rob a 49-year-old man outside of the victim's home. When the men began struggling, the victim's wife appeared, and then Duvall allegedly got out of a nearby tan mercury marquee with a gun. Duvall allegedly pointed the gun at the woman, demanded her purse, and then he shot at the husband. As the man ran from the scene, he then fired on a witness who stepped out to see what was going on. That witness actually shot in the foot. Marshall Duvall's also been accused of robbing a Lyft driver at gunpoint and firing several shots into the hood of the man's car after taking his money and phone. Now, Marshall Laval is facing robbery charges right now, but those are the only charges that Marshall Laval is facing. Duvall, excuse me, is uh, facing. Not attempted murder, not aggravated assault, not discharging a firearm, not being a felon in possession of a firearm, even though he has four felony offenses to his name. Nope, prosecutors have only charged him right now with robbery. Yeah. At a time in which homicides in Chicago are on pace to be the highest in two decades, Kim Fox, the Cook County State's attorney, is not only dropping an incredible number of felony cases altogether, but when given the opportunity to get tough on violent criminals, she's instead undercharging them. And by the way, keep in mind, uh, Marshall Duvall, facing robbery charges, but he's not likely to be convicted of robbery charges. 97% of felony cases in this country end in plea bargains. So Marshall Duvall, who is uh, CBWB Chicago pointed out, could be facing attempted murder, aggravated assault, felon in possession. In addition to those robbery charges, he's facing none of those things. And he will likely plead down to reduced charges and get a slap on the wrist, even though uh, he is allegedly... Uh, uh, you know, responsible for at least two armed robberies involving injury in at least one case. And the sad thing is, the the, the worst part about this entire story is that Kim Fox is probably going to get reelected. She's up for election this November. Chicago Sun Times actually endorsed her. Uh, it's it's so I, I wish this story had a happy ending. I wish that I could say, hey, you know what? Maybe. No, nah, I don't think so. I don't think anything's going to change. In fact, I think it's likely to get worse in the city of Chicago with Kim Fox running these cases. On to our armed citizen story of the day from North Carolina, Person County, North Carolina, where uh, ABC 11 says a, a homeowner shot a knife-wielding home invader Late Friday night, this was about uh, 10.30 Friday evening, according to uh, Channel 11 WTVD. Male neighbor was shot while attempting to break into a home along Rhododendron Lane in Person County. Authorities say a man inside the home shot the neighbor two times in what appears to be self-defense. The uh, chief deputy of uh, Person County, Kevin Crabtree, said the uh, home invasion suspect uh, should fully recover. 
hopefully will be released from the uh, hospital in a, a matter of days. Shooting remains under investigation, but at this point, again, appears to be a, a case of self-defense. We will give you any updates out of Person County, North Carolina, as they become available. And finally today, our hero of the day, or our good deed of the day, from Lilburn, Georgia, where an off-duty police officer helped to save the lives of uh, two CSX employees after a train derailment Sunday morning. Uh, officer Almedin Ajanovic was uh, finishing a job. He was off-duty at the time. Uh, early Sunday morning, and he heard calls about explosions in a train derailment. He said he parked his car, ran towards the train, and then he said there was a loud boom and an explosion. He said seeing that versus hearing it on the radio, he said it was definitely a scary moment. I, I can imagine. But despite that fear, uh, he said that he knew that there were people who needed help. He said you want to get there in time and help anyone that's in need. He found two crew members who were on top of the derailed train that's now leaking fluid. He didn't know what it was at the time. He said, I was a little nervous because the, the creek was red. The train's on its side. It's partially in the water. It's leaking out this red fluid. Uh, the two men could not even figure out uh, if there was dry land for them to step on if they got off the train because of how dark it was outside. Uh, but with the help of Officer Ajanovic, they made it down safely. Uh, all three made it back to his car. He gave other first responders information about the wreckage. Uh, the material inside the train, according to CSX, was uh, ethanol. They say that uh, they believe heavy rain and flash flooding contributed to the derailment. Officer Ajanovic says it's uh, astonishing that uh, this uh, ended the way that it did. He said, I'm grateful that they're both okay. We're all okay. I'm just grateful and speechless just thinking about it. It gives me chills, and I was very emotional. So in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, off duty, but always on the job. Officer Janovic there in uh, Lilburn, Georgia. We thank you, sir, for your very good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program, as always. And I really do mean that. Uh, don't forget, we'll be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. But in the meantime, you can subscribe to Town Hall Media on YouTube. That way you'll never miss a program. Or you can subscribe to Bearing Arms Cam and Company on Apple Podcasts. Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, you know, the, the, the usual locations where you find your quality podcasts. And uh, you'll find us there as well. All right. We'll be back tomorrow, as I said. But until then, be well, be safe, be free. And we'll see you soon with another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company.